0: It just occurred to me that we waste a lot of really good drugs.
1: Wisconsin nurses caught stealing medications meant for patients. It's frightening. The whole experience is frightening. Nobody wants to be that person. That's the addiction. Dozens face discipline every year. It's the other thousands that we don't know about that that I'm worried about. Now, a new path to protecting the public from drug-addicted nurses
0: there is light at the end of the tunnel.
1: From the Fox 6 Studios, this is Open Record. I'm Brian Polson, and I'm joined by Open Record's executive producer, Sarah Smith. Hey, Sarah. Hi, Brian. We are recording this episode on Cinco de Mayo, Thursday, May 5th. This Sunday is the start of National Nurses Week. It's a week set aside to honor the thousands of men and women who care for patients across the country, especially during the stressful and challenging times presented by the pandemic. And Sarah, I've heard from a few nurses already who weren't especially happy that we chose this week of all weeks to talk about a really difficult subject that faces nurses all the time, and especially right now in the state of Wisconsin. But the woman we're about to talk about thought this was, in fact, the perfect time. And of course, I'm talking about drug diversion in healthcare facilities.
0: So, if you know, if anyone follows these Fox Six investigations, so we know that this isn't the first time that you've reported on the issue of drug addiction um, and diversion among nurses in Wisconsin. So, what kind of was the impetus for this story?
1: Well, if you go all the way back to 2006, it was the first time I had done a story about drug addiction in healthcare, particularly among nurses. And so that's, you know, 16 years ago now. And over the years, I've I've touched on this issue a few different times in a few different ways. Just last year, we actually followed a particular nurse whose case had languished for four years, and the state didn't do anything about it. She just kept working in new places. While that investigation was pending, she kept stealing drugs from new facilities. And the next facility didn't know what was going on at the last one so it's certainly a concern it's an ongoing issue and it's something that's a risk to patients because that's medication that's meant for people who who need this kind of thing this story though came about in a little different manner this was one where a person who i had once featured in a story kristen wait labat she appeared in that very first story i did back in 2006 she has had quite a journey since then and actually a few years ago, she was on our air talking to investigator Megan Dwyer, um, who was part of our unit at the time, because Kristen Waite Labatt wrote a book all about her journey. Well, now she's taken it a step further, and she has in fact launched a nonprofit organization meant to help nurses who were in the position she was once in, to help them navigate the sort of treacherous process of dealing with state regulators, keeping your nursing license, or just trying to deal with an addiction while you maintain a job in this industry. So she reached out and she said, Brian, I I want people to know about this nonprofit organization. And and my first inkling when she said that was, that's great what you're doing, but, you know, we don't do commercials for you. You want to get the word about your nonprofit, you've got to do that on your own. But there were a couple of things that really made me think this is important to tell the story. Number one, we've talked a lot about the problem. We've talked a lot about the fact that this happens we haven't talked a lot about what solutions there are, or we've only reported on the fact that there's a real shortcoming when it comes to some of those solutions. So it was appropriate to let people know there's this new thing, but also just Kristen's journey alone is remarkable. And when she talks about her new nonprofit, she is very transparent about her own journey. Um, And and, you know it doesn't sort of whitewash the details. Um, I thought that was one of the most remarkable things. If you watch the story, she's very clear about her own desire for drugs and and how readily and how long she went on stealing them.
0: Well, yeah, and she's certainly in the story. You know, she doesn't deny anything and has said, "Man, this went on for a long time." And every time I said this was the last time, it wasn't the last time. Um, and so obviously, you know, for her to obviously, you know, write the book and launch this nonprofit. So obviously, and you talked a little bit about the problem, and and obviously, you don't start a nonprofit if you don't think there's there's a need for it. So how many, you know, nurses have these kind of problems that maybe the data shows. And then like, you know, what, how does that affect me? I mean, I guess in my head, I know how it affects me, but like, why people watching this story, why should they care?
1: Well, that's, and I think that's the most important question here because it's easy to get caught up in sort of the bad behavior of certain individuals. And it's easy to sort of, from our seat, maybe, you know, uh, judge or or shame someone who's gone through that. Uh, Certainly there is nothing defensible about stealing drugs on the job, stealing drugs, particularly that are meant for patients. Why, why would you or I care? Well, you know, the next time you're in the hospital, or if you have maybe a parent or or a grandparent or a loved one who's in a nursing home, um, that's where a lot of this takes place. A lot of times is in nursing homes. You obviously have someone who needs pain treatment, who needs medications. And if you have someone else who's supposed to be delivering that care, And instead, feeds their own addiction, you might suffer through pain. You might have a loved one who suffers through unnecessary pain. Or you could end up with someone who's supposed to be taking care of you, watching your charts, making sure that you're getting, you know, your levels are monitored, whatever it might be, who's drunk or high on the job. So now you have someone who's a danger because they're simply not up to the task. I mean, both of those are concerns for patients. The question is how big's the scope of the problem, right? Like, how many people are doing this? Is this, you know, rare? Is it a big deal? And that's something I've always tried to really identify and see if we could quantify in these stories. If you just look at the people who are disciplined, it's maybe, you know, a few dozen or more a year who are, in fact, have action taken against their nursing licenses. There are currently 96,000 nurses in Wisconsin that have active licenses. And about 60 last year were disciplined for stealing drugs from their jobs. And you might think, well, 60 out of 96,000, that's a drop in the bucket. That's nothing. But it's also a drop in the bucket of the problem that's out there because to get to that point, it takes an awful lot. Um, Not all nurses who have addiction or substance abuse problems steal drugs on the job. And not all the ones who are stealing them get caught. In fact, many of them get away with it for quite some time. And we've also reported over the years, Sarah, on a lot of occasions where a hospital or a nursing home or a, a medical clinic will catch a nurse. And they'll say we can't. You're going to get fired. We can't keep you here, but we're going to do this quietly. We don't want the hassle of dealing with the state, or maybe if it's a nursing home, we don't want to have the hassle of dealing with state inspections and uh, inspectors and the sanctions that might come along. So a lot of this happens in the dark. And what we do know is that federal surveys have shown about six percent of nurses struggle with substance abuse problems. That's actually a lower rate than the general public, which is closer to 8 to 10%. But the difference with nurses is they have direct access to the very kinds of medications that they can abuse. And those are medications, obviously, that are meant for people like you and me who are going to the hospital or whatever for treatment. So it's a bigger problem than 60 or so nurses per year. And that's really where this nonprofit is focused is what about all of the others who aren't getting help right now?
0: Do you think part of it, you know, as I watch the story, I think, okay, are they in a profession? I guess in your opinion, are they in a profession that kind of perpetuates maybe, you know, the, the, it's a stressful position? It's, you know, you're working long hours, weekends, holidays, you know, stuff like that. Is it just the, the job plus access and then... That's it, you know. And I guess the other thing too is like we talk a lot about the pandemic, and you know it's affected a lot of industries, including this. So you know, kind of does that all play a role in maybe the numbers being higher?
1: I think anecdotally, you talk to experts, they'll say yes that those things are all factors. Um, You know, the pandemic, the stress of the job. First of all, I want to step back and say one thing about this, which is I want to be clear: it's not as though nurses as a profession have some greater problem. As I said before they actually have lower rates of substance abuse than the general population. You know, doctors, there are doctors that have substance abuse issues. There are journalists, there are police officers, there are people in all sorts of walks of life who have substance abuse problems. One of the reasons we end up focusing a lot on healthcare professionals and nurses in particular, nurses are far and away the largest group of healthcare professionals in the state and they're often the ones doing the dispensing. The doctor might write the prescription, the doctor might write the order, nurses are the ones who are typically handing out the pills. And because of that, they're the ones who have access to that medication. So when you add in someone, there's going to be a percentage of the population that deals with substance abuse issues. And now you put the substance in their hands. There's obviously great temptation. There have been a lot of advancements in the way that healthcare facilities monitor and track the dispensing of uh, you know, narcotics, opioids, the kinds of things that people abuse. But I, in talking to some of the people that we did for this story, there was one gentleman whose identity we didn't show. We use the name David. Um, but David, I asked him, I said, there's all of these checks and balances. How do you do it? Aren't they watching? And he said, there's always a way. There's always a way. They waste a lot of medication, meaning they have to throw out pills or excess and if you you know how to do it in a way that sort of stays under the radar, you can do it for a long time where where a lot of the ones that end up getting caught, get in trouble is they get a little too careless and bold about it or they start. Uh, I think it was uh, Melissa Owens who told me and we didn't get into this in the story on the air, but she said she had actually gotten to the point where she was going in on a weekend to access the PIXIS system, which is the, the system that monitors the dispensing of medications. She accessed the system on a day. She wasn't even on the schedule. And she, when she went in, she ran into colleagues who were like, what are you doing here today? And still, the addiction was so strong, she went ahead with it and she kept doing it. And eventually it all, you know, it, it all crumbled and fell down upon her. Um, but but I guess it's that combination of the stress of the job, the fact that there's always going to be a percentage of people who are dealing with substance abuse issues and then on top of it the access you put those things together and it's potentially a recipe for disaster
0: so kristen's nonprofit, wisconsin peer alliance for nurses um obviously she saw a need um based on herself based on colleagues so so what is it and how is it different from the confidential treatment program that's already available here in the state
1: i think that's one of the big things about this and one of the reasons i wanted to do a story on this because there is a huge distinction there are other states that have programs like this, and what they they are set up to be, essentially a support network, a place where someone who's going through the the struggles with addiction and works in the healthcare field can go to talk to other people who've been there, um, and that might be for help just dealing with maybe they've been caught at work and now they need help navigating a really scary disciplinary and monitoring process. There's a lot of you know they'll they'll end up doing you know 50 plus drug screens a year. They'll be going to all sorts of uh, you know AA and other type meetings. They'll they'll have to file quarterly reports through a, a, a professional monitor and and things like that. So it's it's a it's an intimidating process. So knowing someone who's sort of been through that and and worked their way through back to a full license can be helpful. But I think more importantly, they want to catch people who want help, but don't want action taken against their license and don't want to get to the point, by the way, of getting so bad that they start stealing pills. Maybe they know they've got a problem with their own medications. Maybe they know that they've done some things that that are pushing the line of addiction, um, but they haven't yet been caught doing something wrong. Where do you go? And there's a great fear among a lot of nurses in contacting the state agency that monitors their license and regulates their license and going, oh, by the way, I have a problem. I'd like to go through your confidential program. There's a real fear that, (laughs) well, you know, hey, you you control my license. I don't want you to know about this. So where else can you go? And and Kristen said that's why she wanted to create a program like this was, they're not connected to the state. They are not an agent of the state. It's a private nonprofit. And if nurses know about them, and that's a big key, if they know about them, if you are working in the field and you realize I have a problem and I don't want this to cost me my career, I don't want this to hurt someone, Um, I need help, but I can't risk contacting the state. That's just too much. This is a place to go. And I think that's really where her thinking on this came from is we need to give places or need to give nurses help navigating the process, but also a safe place to go that doesn't feel threatening.
0: Has she talked about the response? I mean, does she have a lot of people contacting her or what what if people how do people feel about it?
1: One of the reasons I'm sure she reached out to me is she wants people to know about this program and getting the word out's a big thing. Right. Well, she did start by talking to the Wisconsin Board of Nursing and and she wants the state to start referring nurses to her program when they come across people who might be dealing with issues. Let them know we exist because we can be an additional resource um, and, and actually maybe take some of the burden off of the state in dealing with some of that. Um, they did make a presentation, uh, she and Melissa Owens, Kristen waite and Melissa Owens made a presentation to the State Board of Nursing in January of this year. They just got approval for their nonprofit status from the IRS that same month. And the nursing board listened and was receptive and actually made a formal declaration thanking them for uh, you know sort of making the presentation but I haven't yet seen that the nursing board has added anything to its website saying, you know, here's information about WISPAN or that they've taken any action to say, here's how we're going to refer people in the future. So they listened, but it's not clear how much that's going to help. So right now it's word of mouth and they do have some nurses who are in the program who've heard about it. Maybe they've heard about it from a colleague or a friend. Um, I do know this though, since our story aired on Wednesday night, last night, as we record this Thursday morning, Kristen already reached out to me and said they've heard from two nurses who are dealing with substance abuse issues, want help, and have already reached out. So, potentially those are two people who might have ended up in the disciplinary process, might have ended up stealing pills at work. Maybe now they'll get the help they need. Um, That's just two right off the bat. You know, certainly, if it heads off a bigger problem, if it saves someone's career, if it helps them deal with a substance abuse problem, if it prevents a patient from having their medications stolen, um, obviously, that would be a, a good thing.
0: So you said that Kristen contacted the Wisconsin Board of Nursing, right? Like kind of before she was getting into this nonprofit stuff. I mean, does the state look at this and think they're like, that Kristen is kind of like undercutting what their disciplinary action would be, or?
1: I don't think that's the case at all, because I don't think the state wants to discipline doctors. I don't think that, or or nurses, I don't think that that's a goal. Certainly they, they can't allow it to go on. I think there's the disciplinary process, which is completely public. All of that, when you when there's an order taken against your license, all of the facts are laid out there in a very public document, which is how I got Kristen's back in 2006. She'd been disciplined for incidents leading up to 2004, 2005, and then the final order taken against her license was a public record, which I accessed in 2006. That's how she ends up on the news, which she then sees, even though she's now a year into her recovery process, she sees it on the news and goes, why now, why me? Well, because that's the public part of this. But the state has a confidential piece as well. The, the professional assistance procedure. It's an opportunity for healthcare professionals, nurses, doctors who are going through a substance abuse problem to enter into the program and, and be monitored and, and get treatment and other things. If they complete the program successfully, none of that ends up in the public record. And they have 39 people in that program right now those are 39 people who, if they successfully complete the program, and not all of them do, they won't end up in that public disciplinary process. But it's still sort of this official procedure. It's it's obviously resource intensive. And I, I don't necessarily know that the state is, I don't know if they're making a whole lot of money. It's not like it's a big money maker. I don't think that they necessarily want more and more people to, to come. I mean, if there's another resource out there that can help, I don't think that they would be said I don't want to speak for the state on that. And that's a good point. What did the state have to say? I did ask the Department of Safety and Professional Services for an interview for this story. And uh, I gave them one deadline. I gave them an extended deadline. They did not get back to me with uh, with comment or with, um, you know, the opportunity for an interview. So I don't know how they feel. I don't think that they're finding this is competition. It may well be that they just need to see you know, you don't want to start referring all these nurses to a place you don't know much about. They may need to see how it develops over time. I guess we'll see how that plays out.
0: Right, right. Um, is Wisconsin the only one that's got something like this where they've got the, you know, these confidential programs or maybe not confidential, you know?
1: No, actually, they're, the, Kristen patterned this after some other programs. The state of New York has probably one of the longest running and most successful programs. Um, peer support networks for nurses. Uh, Minnesota also has one that's been around for some time. And I think Kristen talked to them and patterned a lot of the structure of her program after the Minnesota program. And I think this, the idea is the same there. It's the idea of giving nurses a place to go that is disconnected from the disciplinary body. We have done stories about doctors as well. And, and, and I've talked to experts who've said one of the real problems is not having a place to go that is disconnected from that disciplinary body because it is a real um, deterrent to self reporting when you know you're reporting yourself to the same body that could take action against your license and end your career. Um, even if that's not the way they would do things, even if that's not the action they would take, that's certainly a fear. It's like going to the police and saying, I want you to know that I've been breaking into houses. You, you, that's the people who could arrest you and send you to jail. So, in this way, I think having something that is separate. Um, has been successful in other states, and it's what Kristen is trying to replicate here.
0: And she also got some pretty good news uh, from Governor Evers' office recently.
1: Yeah, uh, excellent timing, I think, for her. I, I asked her about this. She said it's it's already been a pretty good year. She got the uh, nonprofit status approved for Wispan. Um, she's got this news story coming out on the air about the program, and uh, just a couple of weeks ago, she got a letter from Governor Evers. Um, she had applied, I think, back last year for a pardon and she got the letter from governor evers confirming that she is in fact being granted a full and unconditional pardon for her conviction for stealing medications at work and and in the the write up on that the governor said that you know not only has she remained crime free and been sober for the last 17 years she stayed clean but she's actually put her sort of expertise um, toward helping other professionals get through addictions and substance abuse problems. And uh, and because of that, he, he granted her that full pardon. So it doesn't mean she, it doesn't take the conviction off of her record it doesn't mean she was never convicted. That still remains there. She gains any constitutional rights back that might have been lost from a felony conviction. But but more importantly, I think to her, it, it sends a signal to others, um, a strong signal that there is, you know, there is a recovery from this and that, uh you know, for her it sort of completes the loop. And it is time for us to go off the record. This is the part of the podcast where we get a little more casual, have a little fun by answering a question question for which we have not repaired or at least did I just say repaired? That's prepared. how unpre- that's how unprepared I am, Sarah. A question for which we have not prepared, and I I haven't prepared. Sarah knows what this is going to be. So, uh, what do you have for me today, Smitty?
0: All right, here we go. This these kind of questions make me laugh because I always enjoy the answers. But um, you have won. You have just won a lifetime supply of the very last thing you ate. <laughs> what are you winning? A lifetime supply of.
1: Do, so wait, when you say eight, does so every morning? I have a smoothie for breakfast it's is does that count as eight or is that i'm really drinking that, oh so you I don't drank
0: know. it Ah, I, I would yeah maybe like chewed and
1: <laughs> okay so, so last thing i chewed and ate i would have to go back to just before bed last night and i had um what did i what did i i think i i think i had a a, a little s- snack packet of uh pistachios <laughs>
0: okay So cute, a little snack pack. (laughs) I mean, I we've got the. I
1: don't know if they're hundred calorie packs or what are they, but these little. And I I like pistachios. I like my salty things, and I'm trying to cut down on those. Yes. But it gives me that little salt taste when I need it. Um. So.
0: Do you have to shell them? Because that's like work, right? No, no. And
1: actually, that's they say that's good. If you if you get the ones you need to shell, it slows you down. Yeah. (laughs) If you get the ones that are pre-shelled, it's easy to just you know throw them down the gullet and then you're eating. And I know that you know. Nuts yeah. are high in fats and other things. So, um, but Details. a lifetime supply of pistachios.
0: You're welcome. You don't have to buy them then. Pistachios are expensive.
1: <laughs> oh, they are. They're very, oh, yeah, that's true. All, all the all the different nuts and things are expensive. But, but but I I actually like the act of like if you're on a car ride. Yes. I kind of like you know peeling pistachios or or sunflower seeds or something. Have like you that. ever
0: used the trick of if you have a pistachio that isn't totally cracked open of using half of another pistachio shell and sticking it in it's like the little wedging crack. it in there. Yes, and cranking it, and it pops it open.
1: I've have n- never found them to be actually that hard to open. Well,
0: no, you get some that are like little clams. Just, just a little, yeah, a little
1: right. If there's just a tiny little opening, and then you're, you're and you don't want, another you can't way in there. use your
0: teeth, otherwise you'll end up at the dentist. No, um, that's true. But that's that's my pro pistachio tip that probably a lot of people know.
1: This is going to sound way too to uh, like into the weeds on this one but if you ever when you've got those that are just barely split open tried to use a fingernail but then you end up jabbing yes. the shell under your fingernail and it hurts really bad and you have a pistachio injury yes
0: I, okay. yeah, why do you have a band-aid on well i had a i got into a battle with a pistachio um they're dangerous but delicious my lifetime supply so i'll preface this with a couple weeks ago, um, my nine-year-old came home and said, "Oh, Mom, can we get some Z-bars at the store? Z-bars are like a cliff bar for kids. So they're like a granola okay. bar. They make different chocolate chip, a brownie one, an oatmeal cookie, whatever. So I said, sure. So I bought one box that had like five bars in it. The kids plowed through them. Great. Okay. Hey, do you guys want more of these? Yes. Okay. I bought a box of uh, 12 or something. Again, plowed through them. I bought 48 z-bars and guess who doesn't want z-bars anymore my children so <laughs> what have i been eating
1: <laughs> a lot Literally, of z-bars a lot
0: a lot of flipping z-bars so <laughs> i i've now won a lifetime supply of them
1: you don't want it, but so what if you had a lifetime supply would you continue to eat z-bars i don't know
0: i would be forced to <laughs> but i can tell you that it happens every time my kids want apples i buy a couple they plow through them love apples buy 400 apples don't want apples in their lunch anymore or they come home every day and I was like, why aren't these apples getting eaten? I don't really like apples anymore.
1: So. Yeah, the 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 variety is the spice of life. Obviously, when you eat the same thing over and over, you start to lose. But you, but once you've when you see the pattern with your kids, and you're trying to get ahead of the pattern, then that's that's the, that's what you're doing. You're trying that's like I want to stock up, and then you have yes. back stock, and they've moved on.
0: Yes, because then I look like like oh my gosh, my mom knows I love Z bars. Okay, I don't.
1: You know what? I'll bet that's <laughs> part of the psychology. That's part of the psychology. Oh, now mom wants me to eat mm. Z bars. I don't I'll like show Z bars her. anymore. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I thought for a minute you were going to say peeps and I thought a lifetime supply <laughs> of peeps. <Blushed. laughs> Just no, thank you. Absolutely. No, thank you. All right. If you have a topic you would like us to discuss on open record, an issue you think we should investigate or an open or an off the record question here for uh, our open record team, send us an email to Fox six investigators at Fox dot com. It's Fox, the number six investigators At Fox.com. Sarah, thanks again for being on the podcast. No problem. As always, thank you to all of the people who make this podcast possible producer Pete, our editor Dave Majuda, and of course Sarah Smith. Please subscribe to Open Record if you haven't already. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. With that, I'm Brian Polson. We'll be back next week.